You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. I hope you enjoyed part one of the Tommy Hutton interview. This is going to be part two coming right up. He really was a fun interview all the way around. Part two, we talk a lot more about the postseason matchup with the Cubs, how he thinks that the Marlins stack up against them. Of course, talking a little bit more about the Marlins pitching, a little bit about the offense, and then even a little bit about prospects and what we can expect from him coverage-wise with Fox Sports Florida. Of course, they're not going to be broadcasting the games, but they're still going to be doing some things for the postseason and some pre- and post-game shows, which he talks about a little bit. So definitely listen through to the end where he talks about that. Very excited to have some postseason coverage potentially from Tommy. It wouldn't be right for the Marlins to be in the postseason without hearing from Tommy Hutton. So I'm very glad that I was able to get this interview going right before the postseason to get you all geared up because I really don't think there's a better person to get you pumped for the postseason than Tommy Hutton. A reminder that this interview is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same auto parts and have to go to a chain store or car dealership and deal with all the headache and hassle when you could just go to rockauto.com, who's been serving auto part customers for over 20 years. They're a family-owned business. Rockauto.com has parts for all cars, makes, and models, a super easy to navigate website, consistently low prices, whether it's the professional mechanic or the do-it-yourselfer, they keep their prices consistent, which a lot of chain stores can't say. Dealerships like to charge you extra and really just tack on all labor fees and all that terrible stuff. You don't have to deal with that headache. You make the order on rockauto.com. They ship it straight to your door. When you head over to the website, let them know that Locked On sent you in the Where Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So here is part two of the interview with Tommy Hutton. We pick right up talking about the pitching staff and the impact that Mel Stoudemire Jr. had on the pitching staff this year, Sandy Alcantara. We were just talking about Pablo Lopez as well, and it will lead right into that. So here is part two. Well, first of all, whatever series they go into, starting with this one and if they go beyond, the Marlins are always going to be the underdog, always, because no one back in spring training predicted that they would be uh, in the playoffs. So they're always going to be the underdog. And you know what? They've been that all season, and they've kind of taken that that little chip on their shoulder and taken that out on the field. Uh, if you stack them up against the uh, Cubs, uh, it's very easy to say, hey, they don't stack up against the Cubs. Uh, if you go position by position, you know, Contreras, Rizzo, Bryant, uh, Baez, uh, all those guys, Schwarber, if you go by position, uh, you'd probably, the Cubs would probably be favorable in most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. And you just take that to the field and you say, look it, so what? Um, the the mantra they had at the beginning of the year, I don't know who came up with it, but it was a good one, was why not us? And they took that all through the year. So now they can go into postseason. They can say, hey, why not us? As uh, Kinsler said the other night on the postgame, hey, we're playing with house money right now. 
nobody expected us to be here. So, okay, you tell me you got Darvish, Hendricks, and um, uh, they'll probably go with Lester, probably the third. So they go with that. You know what? The Marlins can say, we'll come at you with Alcantara, Lopez, and Sixto. You deal with that. So that's what they're going to take into that series. Now, that's a great point, and Mel Stoudemire Jr. has done an incredible job with his pitching staff, with Sandy Alcantara making major strides. We've seen Pablo Lopez, as you mentioned, make some major strides. I'm excited to see what he can do with Sixto Sanchez. Speaking of, Sixto will probably be in a pretty important role in this three-game series against the Cubs. Maybe he pitches game three. We'll see how the Marlins decide to go about that. We know Sandy will pitch game one, which will give them a chance, because even though they're facing a really tough U Darvish, Sandy can match him. Really, he can with the way he's been pitching lately. And I've loved the edge that Sandy has had, especially when the Marlins played the Yankees. And he said, they're not ready for my stuff. And then he went out and punched out nine. And that's just the stuff you love to see. Do you think the Marlins have a chance against the Cubs? And what's their path to victory? It's a three-game series. Anything can happen. But the Cubs are a tough team. Yeah, they've had some stars underachieving a little bit, but they're very talented. They're loaded and they can explode at any moment. And again, it's only a three-game series. So whoever catches fire or whoever is lights out on the mound could really just run away with it pretty quickly. Well, you're right. That very well could happen if, if the Marlins split the first two games and it comes down to game three. Uh, I'll be honest, I take my chances with Sixto Sanchez against Lester, even though uh, Lester has a, a pedigree, a postseason pedigree, has pitched well in postseason, but uh, did not pitch well this year. I believe his ERA is over five. You would have liked to have seen Sixto have a couple of good starts his last two outings, and he didn't. Uh, he struggled with some things, but in a way, that might be good. And, and I think with the right-handers in the lineup that the Cubs have, he's going to have to use that slider a little bit more. He had some games where, you know, his fastball is going to be upper 90s. He's going to touch 100. Uh, they know he has that good changeup, but he also needs to use the slider. So I think to be effective, especially against some of their right-handed hitters like Baez and Bryant, he's going to have to have to have command of that pitch uh, as well. Now the wild card in it all is that they've never seen him, and that's good news because when he pitched against teams that hadn't seen him, he really had a little better success. So the good news is that the Cubs have never seen him. And, uh, hey, I look forward to if it gets to game three, I look forward to that matchup. Definitely. And I would look at that Marlins top three there where if they're on, that they're as good as any top three right now in the postseason. Yeah, the Trevor Bowers and the U Darvishes are probably a little bit of a step ahead of Sandy Alcantara. I'm not going to deny that. But when Pablo Lopez is on, he's a solid number two or three. And we know how good Sixto can be when things are working. That being said, if the Marlins are able to split the first two games and it goes to game three, and assuming that Sixto is the third starter, that's a lot of responsibility put on the shoulders of a 22-year-old who has kind of struggled over the last couple starts, to be blunt. Yeah, it's definitely a small sample size where we've seen him struggle, and we have seen him adjust well at times, but you're putting a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of a 22-year-old. I don't see any alternative, and with the potential that Sixto has to shut teams down, I think you got to go with him in one of the three games, but what do you think about the fact that they might put that much responsibility on the shoulders of a 22-year-old. Yeah, I think some of the veterans, uh, guys like a Dickerson, a Matt Joyce, uh, uh, even Marte, 
they they will be able to uh, talk to some of the young guys, uh, get them ready for these uh, postseason games. Try to instill in them that you know that it's easy to say, but uh, just keep playing the way you're playing. Uh, have some fun. Have that chip on your shoulder. The the difference in '03, man, you had in my opinion the best defensive infield that I'd ever seen with Lowell and Gonzalez and Castillo and D Lee. And then you had a, a hall of famer behind the plate and Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, that kind of set the tone right there. Uh, and, and there were mostly veterans with a, a few young guys sprinkled in, but I think they just have to just keep that chip on the shoulder. I've used that term a few times now, but that's the way they've been all year. And they know they're going to be the underdog going into this series. And that's just the way they have to approach it. Well, I'll concede that this team is a bit different than 2003 with, in hindsight, what is a very, very talented 2003 ball club. But there are some aspects that are similar with the Marlins now leaning on some young prospects that they called up towards the home stretch there to really make a push, like Sixto Sanchez, much like the Marlins leaned on Dontrell Willis back in 03, even though that was more of a bullpen role, though he was starting in the regular season down the stretch. Miguel Cabrera, of course, offensively was leaned on pretty heavily. The Marlins don't have anybody Miguel Cabrera-like, but they do have some prospects that they're going to have to lean on with their bats. It's a balance of the veteran presence. They added some veterans and the young guys, which... That part of it is a little reminiscent of 03. Do you see any of that correlation a little bit? Of course, they're playing the Cubs, which is obviously reminiscent a little bit. But overall, just that veteran and youngster duo where the team has kind of a meshing of the two, and it seems to be working well. Well, it's, it's, it makes you feel old, uh, number one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, uh, you know, it makes me think when I hear Griffin Conine Jesus Sanchez, Lewin Diaz, J.J. Bladé, I think of what the Marlins have coming as far as uh, offensive prospects. So you hope uh, a couple of them, because we all know prospects, they're not all going to turn out to be uh, great stars, but you hope they, they develop and you get some really good players out of those guys, not to mention some of the pitchers that the Marlins have. So when I, when I think of a, a Griffin Conine, I know I used to talk to Niner uh, a few years ago when he was, uh, his son was playing in high school and, and then uh, went on to Duke to, to play there. But uh, it's fun to see uh, b- being involved in baseball over 50 years, which I have. I've seen a lot of father-son combinations. I, I can always remember when I was a player in Philadelphia in the 70s, I remember these uh, – two little kids who are around the ballpark a lot. And man, they were, they were good little players and they were little kids, uh, Aaron Boone and Brett Boone. So they turned out pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, you never know. And you always hope for the best when you, you've been a part of that, when you've, you've been with their dads, either as a player or in the case with Jeff Conine broadcasting some games. And I have to ask you about Griffin Conine, who the Marlins acquired from the Blue Jays recently, and that's got to be exciting for those who have been around the organization for a while now, as when you were with the organization, Jeff Conine was still playing, and now his son has a chance to make his way up to the big leagues, and you're still with the Marlins here. Is that weird? How do you feel about that? Because it's pretty darn cool. You know, until these guys, and this is what's been tough with no minor leagues this year, uh, they're going to have... 
some extended uh, a fall ball and a lot of stuff like that. It, it cut into the development of some of these players because the only way to get better is to, if you're a, an everyday player, is to play games and make adjustments and be out there every day. And uh, most of these kids didn't get that opportunity because they were up there uh, at the alternate site playing in inter-squad games and doing things like that. So that's the unfortunate part about this whole season. But the, the good news is that uh, the Marlins are in the playoffs. A key guy is, that kind of makes the point of all of this is a, a Lewis Brinson, who we saw struggle in. And I think we're all surprised that he has put it together somewhat and really made some improvements. But it, it's taken two or three years. And uh, that's why it's tough to give up on some prospects at times because you just don't know when it's going to finally click uh, with these guys. But the message that goes out to, to Marlins fans is that we're talking about this. Four or five years ago, the Marlins had one of the bottom three minor league systems. Now they're in the top three, top five. Uh, you, you build that and, and then you allow those young guys to, to get better. Sometimes you, you use them in trades to acquire a veteran. Uh, and this is what the, the new regime of the organization with uh, Bruce Sherman and Derek Jeter, this is what their goal is. And they're probably ahead of schedule uh, getting to the playoffs this year, but it's development within. It's getting as many young prospect athletic type players together uh, that we'll see some of them. And then uh, maybe we'll see some of them traded to acquire maybe a more veteran player. So it's all about that. And it's all about building the organization from the bottom, the foundation. And I think we've seen that. And so that's what's exciting uh, about this year, even more so. And you kind of teased it with the Marlins just being absolutely stacked when it comes to outfield prospects and prospects in general, some of the Marlins prospects have struggled in their debuts this year, which is normal. And the development typically is a little bit slower than most expect or most want to see. And I think that's one of the more frustrating things for both sides, right? When you're a fan that's waiting for a team to go through a rebuild and these prospects that you've been waiting on and hearing about finally get the call up and then they struggle, it's hard. It's definitely hard to swallow that and deal with that and digest it but when you're on the other side with these prospects it's, you don't want them to feel pressed right and you don't want to rush them and they're gonna have to go through some growing pains not everybody just rolls out of there like Ronald Acuna jumps up and starts raking or Juan Soto you know, it's a process and we've seen that time and time again from your experience I mean you've been in the game for so long you've seen so many prospects that have panned out haven't panned out have taken time to pan out what would be your message to the fans that you know, a little bit frustrated with the slow duration of how prospects, certain prospects are developing and just overall, because I think so far it's been a little bit slower than expected. And some guys have not quite hit the potential that some of us hoped, but it's not like we're at a point here where we should be worried or panicking. Well, uh, I can say, I can say stay tuned because uh, I don't know all the details. I do know that Fox Sports Florida is going to be doing a pre and a post game show. I do know that. So whether it's uh, uh, it's going to be on Fox Sports Florida, it's going to be before the games, whatever network carries the uh, the playoff game. But I do know 
that uh, there'll be a pre and a post game show. As far as my involvement, I'm hoping to be involved, but uh, I haven't heard any final details on that. But uh, stay tuned, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that for you. That's the beautiful thing about loading up on prospects and improving your farm system is it's not just about the players coming up to the big leagues. It's assets too, really, and you don't like to think about it that way because you become attached to a lot of these players, and so many of them are great guys who are very devoted to the organization, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and each of those guys have value. Remember in 2003, it was Adrian Gonzalez who really helped the Marlins win the World Series because that's who they traded for Uguith Urbina. And while Urbina's no superstar, I don't think they win the World Series without him at closer. So it's just an example. Sometimes you got to sacrifice some prospects to win a championship, and that's the ultimate goal. With you guys now, because I'm not used to the Marlins being in the postseason. Obviously, they haven't been in since I was six years old, and now they're going to be on national television. So that's definitely something I'm not used to in general. You guys at Fox Sports Florida, what can we expect, especially from you, Tommy, where are we going to see you during this postseason? Because you are such an important voice to so many Marlins fans, and I know that they're going to want to see something from Tommy Hutton during this postseason run. Will you be doing anything with Fox Sports Florida? Will you be on social media? Where can we keep up with you to have the Tommy Hutton takes and the perspective during this fun time with the Marlins in the postseason? Well, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I look forward to it. Uh, I've, I've been a part of uh, baseball and the Marlins for quite some time. So it's it's fun to see this happen to the organization. I'm happy for them and I'm happy for uh, all the Marlins fans too in, in South Florida. That was Tommy Hutton. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. It's always a blast being able to talk to somebody that knows as much about the Marlins and is as passionate about the Marlins as Tommy Hutton. Again, his voice is nostalgia for Marlins fans, myself included. So Nothing got me more excited for the postseason than a conversation with Tommy. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to talk to him again. Maybe if the Marlins advance to the next round, I can pester him enough to come on and talk again. He is always willing to talk Marlins baseball, if you can't tell, over the years. And he's always been very gracious and kind to jump onto the show. And really, Tommy is one of those guys that is exactly like he is on the air, which is rare, surprisingly, and is really nice and authentic. So very much am a fan of Tommy Hutton beyond just the booth. And I'm very grateful that he took the time to talk to me. Really excited for this series coming up. Expect maybe another episode squeezed in right before the series starts. I might give some breakdown and analysis and some predictions going into it on what we can expect going into this three-game set and how the team might handle it. Because it's a little bit different having a three-game series where If you lose the first one, it's all hands on deck in game two. If you win the first one, you are very much in the driver's seat. But as we know, anything can happen in baseball. Definitely going to be a battle of two great arms in game one. And then a lot that can happen in the subsequent two games, especially with the starters in the bullpen. And offense might end up being what wins the ball games in the second two games, while it might be a duel between Sandy and you in game one. As always, thank you for listening. I look forward to talking Marlins playoff baseball with you tomorrow. Let's go. Let's get excited and let's get amped up. This is something we've been waiting for for almost 20 years and let's enjoy every second of it.